What's going on, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And today, we got to discuss the Knicks preseason because we saw some flashes from Emmanuel quickly. We saw RJ Barrett making some moves. Mitchell Robinson started to turn around the last game. And Kevin Knox was just a flamethrower from three. And then we got some... Uh, we got to talk about these marquee matchups because the regular season is up this week. We got the Pacers. We got the 76ers. And to help us break down this Knicks 76ers game, we got my boy Larry Hammonds from uh, Hoops Habit with me. He's been a contributor from Empire Rights Back and now following me over to Hoops Habit. And we got to talk. We got to break this game down. And then, John, what we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? For et cetera today, we're just going to. I mean, the NBA is here, so we're just going to talk about some NBA headlines, including James Harden. We'll stay in the division. We'll talk about the Nets. And maybe we'll talk about maybe some uh, West Coast teams uh, that are catching our eye, too. All right. That sounds good. So let's get this thing going. Terrace here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, is my buddy, my co-host, my pal, the man with the plan. We got some Knicks basketball this week. I know he's about to go out on the sideline and coach this team himself. John Malika, what's going on, my guy? (laughs) Oh, my God. I wish I was allowed in the garden. I'm so upset that I'm not allowed in the garden. I'm not allowed to be screaming. Uh, Man, I'm hyped, dude. We, I mean, we we look look pretty decent. One of our teams has, has won something. Um, you know, within within the last like nine months, like it just feels good, man. It feels good. I'm I'm really excited for. I mean, this is coming out Tuesday, so tomorrow, dude. I mean, we're here, like we're here. It, the NBA basketball season has returned, so I'm just hyped, man. I'm hyped for this young team. Let's get it going. For sure, man. I'm excited for Knicks basketball. It's here. It's now. We saw some really cool glimpses uh, from all of our players in this preseason, and we just got to get into that. Uh, before we really start diving into the 76ers matchup. Because today, John, we got my boy from Hoops Habit, a fellow contributor. I can actually say this man, we've been writing together for over a year now. We started Empire Rights back. Now we're at Hoops Habit together. Larry Hammonds, everyone. Larry, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem, man. How you been, dude? How's everything? How's everything going on on your end? I'm good, man. I'm just excited for NBA. Just had my fantasy draft. I'm looking forward to kicking butt in that and just ready to write some great articles. I hear you, my man. I hear you. So for people who don't know, Larry, uh, as I already mentioned, he writes for Hoops Habit. He covers the Hawks, the 76ers, and the Celtics. He's been doing some dope coverage over the Hawks and the 76ers and the Celtics, but more so the Hawks and 76ers. He's been focusing on those two teams as of right now. But we And, and we're going to get into the 76ers talk because we had the 76ers uh, as the second game of the regular season this week. But, Larry, I know you're a big Hoops fan, just like, like John and myself, and you're a BX native. I know you don't root for the Knicks. I know you don't root for the Nets. But <coughs> I know you, you probably <laughs> maybe caught some glimpses of this preseason game for Knicks because, come on, if you live in the city, you, you know MSG Network is on. So... Let's, t- let's talk about this preseason game for, for the Knicks because we saw some things, especially from uh, – let's just, let's just not even bury the lead here. It's Emmanuel quickly. IQ. Looks like we got a point guard for the New York Knicks. So, where well, I, I don't know if you caught the game. There's but a did, did, I, There's a few things I want to say. First off, 
as a New Yorker and a Bronx native, I want the Knicks and the Nets to do good. But the way both organizations were run for so long, it's hard to support them. But both have been trending in the right direction, especially the Knicks. Every single last move they've made since they fired Steve Mills, I have been in support of. They've been doing great. Now, Emmanuel quickly. There's two things I want to say about that. One, mm-hmm. I mentioned Emmanuel quickly in one of my articles prior to the draft as a rising prospect and someone that teams need to consider in the first round. Tremendous defender, great IQ, and a, an amazing, amazing three-point shooter. I cannot stress that enough. His three-point shooting, if you look at his combine stats, he killed every single shooting drill. And Jonathan Macri, you had him on your podcast recently, and he said he didn't think that the point guard of the future was on the Knicks roster yet. And I disagree. I think it's quickly. He's not someone you build a franchise around. But he's the point guard of the future. Shooter, defender, commands the offense. In only, what, two preseason appearances? And he's already shown what he's capable of? Oh, that kid is going to be special. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the Knicks with that pick. I think the Knicks had a really great draft. And I'm really happy about Emmanuel quickly running the Knicks. My God, I'm already getting gassed up. John, how do you feel about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would love to believe everything I just heard, but don't you think it's a bit of an overreaction? I mean, we've literally played no. the, the, two, the two worst teams in the NBA. I understand that, but you got to put think about this. Emmanuel quickly, his entire life, he was a point guard. He went to Kentucky. Calipari said, you're not ready. And he came off the bench his entire freshman year. And when he was coming off the bench, he was running off the ball. Last year, he improved so much over one, from one season to the next that Calipari, he forced his hand. Calipari was forced to play a three-guard lineup. He still played mostly off the ball. But he won player of the year. For, well, conference player of the year. Yep. And he shot, what was it? Uh, he shot 39% from three it was, I believe, last year. Yeah, he was impressive. It was 42%. Yeah, he can be a bit streaky from three-point line, but that boy is special, and he's shown improvement as he goes along. Like, you see continuous improvement. He's He's shown he's ready. Yeah, I I just need two things. I need two things from from any point guard, and so if we're talking IQ, I need two things from IQ. I need him to... Penetrate the offense, right? And if he penetrates the offense, the ball's gonna, everybody's gonna move, and the ball's gonna move, and that's what happened. So we had point forward Randall game one, and then once that changed, the game changed. So if he can do that, and against real point guards, you know, you know what I mean? Not against, you know, sorry to say, Damian Dotson, like not against him, like, no, against I like an actual that. team. Don't. You know what I mean? Like, what's gonna happen? We're gonna play Ben Simmons. You know what I'm saying? Like, Manu quickly is gonna bring up the ball against Ben Simmons. Like, that's gonna be tough. You know, you know, you know. So like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too into the hype. Like, are you, my question to you is, are you starting him? Because I'm worried about his defense a little bit too. Are you oh, starting him I'm for the next? I'm not worried about his defense. His defense is the one thing I would not worry about when it comes to quickly. That's the one thing you should never worry about. If you have your doubts about if he can be a consistent shooter or if he can penetrate against taller guards, that's understandable. 
But one thing you should never have to question is his defense and his toughness. But like any rookie, I would probably say start him on the bench early because you still have guys like Peyton and Dennis Smith Jr. that you got to play up their value so you can get them out of town. Mm-hmm. And let, what... him, let him get his feet wet a little bit off the bench. And then once he shows that he can consistently handle that against tougher talent, like you said, then you, all right, put him in the starting lineup. But he's somebody that I see playing at least 30 minutes a game at some point this season. Oh, man. Alex, you think you think you think he moved in front of Peyton and DSJ and your boy Frank? Um, just from these couple of free season games. I love how we were. I like Frank. Stop. Why is everyone making a thing like I'm like this? Like I'm a Frank. I'm a Frank stan. I support Frank. I want Frank to do well. Let's. I know Me what too. Frank's level is. Me too. I know, what, I know what Frank's level. I know what Frank's level is. Okay, but I love. I love what IQ has shown. I think there's a reality between, especially for Knicks fans, like, and I said this on Twitter in a discussion where we're excited because we haven't had a point guard in so long and he's a competent point guard, right? Is he the point guard of the future? I hope so. I really, really hope so. I agree with Larry. The things that I don't have to worry about IQ is his defense, especially on ball. On ball, he is, he, he's got the length. For such a, for a guy who stands at six three, I think he's got a six seven wingspan. On top of that, the only thing I probably have to be worried about is his off ball defense because sometimes he does get a little lost. But defensively, I'm not worried about IQ. Three point, he could be a little consistent, uh, inconsistent. Um, the one thing I do like is his floater because he's been, he's had that floater for for a hot second. And I he looks like Penny. Discussing. He looks like Penny Hardaway when he's do, when, he, really when, he, when he's running he, in and he does that floater. Honestly, I see Penny Hardaway like just just in that moment. Like when he does that, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, tall yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah. Like facts, facts, facts. You know, but another I will, thing to take in consideration. Sorry, is you want RJ driving to the basket, right? Mm-hmm. IQ is the one guard that can play off the ball. He's the one point guard on your roster that can play off the ball, which no, also that's, helps. Yeah, no, that's very true. He can play off ball, which is why I think he's already he's he like how he for like how Larry mentioned that he forced Calipari's hand at Kentucky. He's forcing Tibbs' hand right now on the Knicks as being the next guy up. He is. There's no way you have to. You, there's no way you could put Dennis Smith Jr. like out there playing the main point because quickly has demonstrated. That he's done it. You could probably have DSJ doing a little off, off ball like little work and just like shifting back and forth. But I think IQ has has really kind of solidified that like backup spot. Just a note. Just a note on DSJ. He, I know. I know he has not been from the preseason games. He hasn't been impressive. On the offense, for sure. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Defense, okay? he's been for there. sure. No, I, yeah, yeah, he's been there. And, and let me tell you something. He knows. He knows what to do to get minutes. Like he knows his coach, he knows his front office, and he knows his staff. So he in the offseason he was working out, he did everything they asked. And during the games he's hustling on defense. Like he's going to get minutes. You know what I mean? So like keep that keep that in mind. Like keep in mind he like, is going to get minutes. What yeah. He is going to get minutes. I'm not saying DSJ is completely eliminated from this rotation at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I do think though is that you can't for Tibbs, he see. I'm, I would expect DSJ's offense to come around at some point. Let's like we keep. We gotta be real that he had. He had like one of the worst off uh, seasons last year, 
Am I saying that he's going to be the next like three point knockdown shooter? No, but he can attack the lane and do those type of things. He's going to have some offensive game, and I'm not. I think there's a more of a cap. I think there's a there's a there's a low ceiling slash a high floor to what he could be. That's really what it is for DSJ. And for Emmanuel, quickly, as of right now, you saw what he did, man. We saw he put up 22 points with five assists. Easy shooting. Like, really easy. I'm not expecting that every single night because he, he can't do that every single night as a rookie. Because he's going to face guards, as you mentioned, like Ben Simmons. You know, Kyrie's not necessarily a great defender, but he's going to have to work on defending Kyrie when he gets on the court, plus trying to get some offense. And that's going to be a tall order to do, right? So... It's going to be a tough task. I think IQ has actually put, but I think he actually has pushed Tibbs' hand to be the, the first guard off the bench to run the offense. And he did such a better job at running the offense than DSJ has. There was just boneheaded moments that you saw from DSJ. The only way I see DSJ playing is that if you slide Emmanuel quickly to the shooting guard and they work in tandem. That's the only way you can have DSJ out there. Same thing with, we saw it. We saw it already from this short preseason. I'm not trying to read too much into it. But what I did see is that DSJ cannot operate without another secondary ball handler out there. He For needs sure. either Frank, he needs Frank, or he needs Emmanuel quickly. And I think you cannot put Emmanuel quickly. You can't have him on the bench, man, because Frank hasn't shown that he could be a guy that can attack the lane, cause guys to like honor his shot. And just be aggressive. Emmanuel quickly has just been aggressive. So I guess for you, John, what do you, what do you feel then? Do you think that this is, uh, do you think I'm being a little too overzealous in this, in this type of claim or what? No, no. I, I don't think you, I don't think either of you are being overzealous. Um, I, I, I know, uh, a friend of mine has, um, before any of these games compared IQ to, uh, D book, um, like, like, you know, I was like, all right, but before any of the games. So I'm like, all right. And then he's like, you know, look at these games. Look, you know, look what we saw. I get it. But I, I, I guess like when it, when it pertains to the Knicks, here's, here's, here's my issue. Like what you, what I was following, you know, your train of thought with the guard cluster, but at some point, like we're, we're not going to be playing four or five guys at guard, you know what I mean? Like we're not going to be playing Alfred Payton and then and then Frank and then mixing him up with you know IQ just to see like how he fits, and that's just not going to be happening, you know, in the second quarter of the Sixers game. Like this is not this is not this is not going to be happening. This is so unrealistic, especially for Tibbs. So I I guess my question for you two is if if a point guard is struggling, right? Like. What's the? At what point do you do we just start pulling people, and does that start becoming negative? Right. So like, I noticed that in the preseason game, I think it was the second one. We had like a strict rule. It seemed like where we're gonna keep DSJ the entire quarter or the entire. You know what I'm saying? And then the next quarter he's gonna be out the entire quarter. And like we're just trying to see how that's gonna move and how that's gonna position within the lineups. I don't really think that's going to be happening during the season. So at what point are we going to be like, okay, IQ, you had like three bad plays. See, you know, see, see you in two, see you in a quarter and a half. You know what I mean? And like, at, at what point are other teams happy about that? You know, I, I, I'm always curious about like how other teams are viewing the squad. You know what I mean? Like, I think if like they see Frank starting, they're hyped. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, let's go. Like, you know, no problem. You know what I mean? But like, so I'm I'm wondering what they're thinking when they see like four or five guards on the Knicks. Like, I, I feel like is that like, oh okay, 
the Knicks have no guards, like we're gonna kill them. You know, you know that that's that that's my feeling. So I, I'm really not. It's not that you're being overzealous about it. I'm just. I'm not confident about. Any, there's nothing to be confident about. You know what I mean? Like, there's just nothing to. For, there's no. There's nothing solid for me to be like. Yeah, like we. Uh, we have a. We have a guard. Like we have a point guard. I'm. I'm happy. We did well against the Pistons and the Cavs. Okay. Like, he proved that he could play point guard, and I'm hyped because now he's gonna get minutes. Because, you know who didn't do anything with those same minutes, and I want to hear what Larry has to say about him. Iggy. Like, Iggy, Iggy Bredzakis has, ever since we've seen him play basketball for the last, like, two years, he's been an absolute monster. But, like, for some reason, like, the Knicks know he can't play basketball. And then when he, you know, when he has the same minutes on the court, he, he couldn't really do anything. Like, so what, what do you guys have to say about that? Like, the, the point guard spot and, like, you know, another guard like Iggy. Well, Iggy's more of a forward. forward. I'll let, yeah, I'll, he's more of a forward. I'll let uh, Larry start off. Do you know, how, how much do you know about Iggy Bredzakis? I know he was a monster in the G League last year. And before the season got cut off last year, I thought that Iggy was going to be somebody that got called up from the G League. So to see him struggle, I was a little bit surprised because when you look at his numbers, they say that he should be up with the big dogs. But I don't know. What is he, like 6'6"? So he's more like a tweener. You don't know to put it. He's not that athletic to play the three. He's not big enough to play the four, strong enough to play the four. So it's like, unless he becomes an offensive superstar, he doesn't really have a place, especially on this roster in particular, when you have guys like Randall, Obi, Knox, I guess, RJ. So it's tough for him already to find space for him. And then with him being a tweener, and it's just, he has to be more consistent, simple as that. And as far as the guard goes, I say it depends. Like guys like DSJ, if they make too many mistakes, you gotta pull them. They they got enough experience where they shouldn't be making silly mistakes like he's been doing during the preseason. But a guy like IQ, you gotta give him the benefit of the doubt that he's a rookie. Yeah, I I, I agree with. So let me start off with the guard, so we can just wrap up the guard. We'll go on to Iggy, and then we'll talk about some other players on the Knicks, and then we'll get into this, uh, get into the Sixers uh, Knicks talk. Um, for the guards, I don't, I get, I get where you're coming from, John. Where it's not, you, there's nothing to be super hyped about because we played probably the two other worst teams in the league, especially in the Eastern Conference between the Pistons and the Cavs. I get it, and it's what are we making out of it? Well, I'll take more that I saw quickly go against. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland because those are two starting guards in the league that the Cavs got a lot of stock in. They're playing them, and he was able to shine against both of them, one of them, whoever was guarding him. So I'll take that, especially coming in as a rookie. Is it really a lot? No, because at the guard position, I'm fine with, but as a team, we saw the Cavs were even playing at full strength. Like Drummond didn't really play the second game. They didn't have Kevin Love. So you're questioning, like, are they really playing a full team? Or whatnot. Sure, I get that. I get that aspect. Am I saying that quickly is going to come out here and be a world beater? No, I'm not saying that at all. But we do have something at least that we could say is competent at the guard position. And I think when we look at all four guards, right? When we look at Peyton, we look at Frank, when we look at DSJ, and we look at quickly, only one of those guys can actually shoot, which is quickly, right? So, like, is he, and that already jumps him over a lot of these guys. 
We saw that he can command the offense. So now he puts himself, not only can he shoot, but now he can command the offense. He's now even above Peyton, but I don't think he's going to start over Peyton. Last thing that you want to ask, does he play really good defense? Is he locked in? He does that even better than Peyton. Peyton can take take days off. Frank is a really good defender, but he doesn't do the other things well. DSJ, yes, he's playing defense. I don't know how long that can last. I really don't know how long that can last <laughs> for DSJ, to be honest. And this is no slight to DSJ. I just haven't seen, you know, I know he's trying to like earn out minutes on this team and it's Tibbs, but I think when we look at all four of them, it's going to be quickly. And at the same, like that's going to get more time off the mid off the bench and that's going to get the most between those four but i'm not saying that he's the guard of the future i think that's all i think that's hard for me to say that he is the point guard of the future just because not saying that he can't be the point guard of the future it's just such a small sample size and i just can't say he's the point guard of the future it's just four games i have to see he'd have to like start being decent against ben simmons and everybody else in the league who's top tier point guard for me to be like pretty confident this kid could be like a point guard for the team you know what i mean for that but to get on to iggy for Iggy Brasdakis, I, I, I don't think that he is terrible. I think Larry pointed out he's a tweener. He doesn't know what to do when he comes up to the league. He's not that athletic to be a three. He's not that fast, especially when it comes to moving his feet at defense. Offensively, I think the G League is different because you're not seeing seven-footers in the G League. Like Kenny Wooten's playing center and he's 6'9". You know what I mean? It's what, what, are you, what are you getting in the G League? And I'm not saying the G League has no talent, but who are you seeing in the G League on a night-in and night-out base? And that's we're seeing guys who are trying to develop their game. I think Iggy, it's tough because the roster's already cluttered, so I'm not, not going to see him get that many minutes. At the same time, this is, what, second, third? I don't even know. It's a handful of games that he's actually played, so I can't really go that far into what Iggy can or cannot do. I do not think he is... Uh, our guy, Jimmy Ferdet, <laughs> the guy who is the ultimate, oh yeah, I could put up numbers in college and it gets to the, the NBA. It's like, where'd you go? What happened? But I, I don't think that, I don't think that at all. Is I, there anything I, else? I, I, I think Miles Powell is going to be on that, um, on, on that, on that same trajectory. Do you think that Miles Powell, who we just cut is going to be like resigned by uh, Westchester? I think he's going to Westchester. Um, because after the team cuts him, they still have the rights to uh, put the affiliation. But even though he goes to Westchester, that doesn't mean he's sa- he's fully like con- committed to the Knicks. Any team can just pick him up. I forget what deadline it is, but he can't be picked up un- unless we give him a two-way before that, that time period. I forget the time period right now because everything's obviously just messed up. But for thanks for bringing that up, John, because we did cut uh, Miles Powell, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and the last one was... Bryce Brown. Yep, Bryce Brown. Thank you. So Omari yep. Spellman is here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh. God, I don't need to see any more minutes of that. <laughs> yeah. That no was more tough, minutes dude. of that. That was tough. I have a, I, um, but you know what I do want to see a lot of minutes of is more Nerlens Noel. Larry, what do you got? What do you got on me on uh, Nerlens? I know you had him early back in the day uh, with the Sixers, but like, what's your what's your what's your take on Nerlens and what do you think he can do? Um, with this team and like the type of influence he could have on Mitch, I think Nerlens and Mitch is, are virtually the same player, so he's the perfect vet to have around Mitch. I think it was a good pickup because now Noel is someone that can teach Mitch how to stay on the court, defend shots without fouling. He he's really good at keeping that vertical and just jumping straight up. 
block shots or alter them without following. We used to you used to see that a lot with Tyson Chandler when he was on the Knicks. He's gonna do good. I think Mitch played what like thirty minutes or something like that the other day. Yep, he he played so, really well. He played, I think, close I think to twenty minutes like without a foul. <laughs> minutes. I think it was like thirty-four minutes he played. I was like, wow, he lasted that long. So, and I think that's in part due to obviously Thibs, but I think Noel plays a big part in that in his development on defense and not fouling so much. And now you got two seven-footers who can protect the rim at all times, like very athletic, can run the floor. If Noel stays healthy, he's a good he's a good addition to the team, especially if you guys find a way to get rid of Randall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I, it was, well, now that you brought up Randall, now we gotta discuss Randall. Uh, John, what do you think of Randall's uh, game the other night? He actually played pretty well, in my opinion. Like, dude, he played I, within dude, his like, role. Yeah, I honest, to be honest with you, I really like Julius Randle if we have a point guard. And I think that Julius Randle really likes Julius Randle if he has a point guard. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think he wants to bring up the ball. I, I, I like, I, I think that he is, you know, like when you're, play, you know, like if you like get stuck in like playing a pickup game with like people who are like, you know, clearly inferior, you know, having like inferior to you. So you're just like, damn, like now I have to bring up the ball. And then you like, you do too much. Like you just like, you dribble like with your head down and like, you know, you do some dumb spin move. Like you turn it over and the guy's like, yo, we were <laughs> wide open. You could just pass to us. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that like it's, it's so relatable, but it's just so annoying because we see it over and over and over. But like the one minute that he, like a point guard showed up and he like didn't have to do any of that and he could just like, play as a as a power forward and he had a center that was going to play defense behind him like he didn't have to be a, a center either it was beautiful and like you know what i'm saying like and, and that's why other teams want him and 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 we're so in, we're so incompetent honestly as a as a, a squad that we can't see um we can't see all, all, all the positives that can come out of Julius Randle because the negatives are just like seeping out because like when he, he's just doing too much constantly because at the end of the day, man, he's our best player. So uh, to, uh, if we could if we could have an alternating Nerlens and N- Randle to Mitch and Obi, I am ecstatic. Like give me that all day long. Like to be honest with you, yeah. I, I would like that. Larry, what do you got? What do you think about that? See, the problem with Randall, my problem with Randall is not when he's a point forward because you can't fault. Like, he's forced into that role, like you said. The problem is Randall in the post. Randall mm. against Mason Plumley, pulling out every trick in his bag, and the defender's just still there. Like, he does too much regardless. He's a good player when he's your second or third option. He's a really good player to have when he's your second or third option, not when he's your best player. He just simply does too much, and he's he's a ball stopper. He he disrupts the flow of the offense once he touches the ball. He's a, And the crazy thing is that he's a really good passer. He's a really, really good passer. But he needs someone to pass it to. No, but he has <laughs> people to pass it to. Come on. Regardless of how you feel about RJ's jump shot, how many times did he just leave RJ waiting in the wings with no one around him? 
Like <laughs> at the end of the day, you gotta be willing to pass the ball, especially when you're a good passer. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. And then if you're if you're willing to pass the ball, that will open up your offense because now teams will account for you passing. Look no, at Luca. Luca Luca just fake pass. The the defenders turning around looking for the ball, but he still has it because he passes so much. It, I'm not comparing the two players. I'm just saying, like, if you pass the ball more, it's just like with Ben Simmons. They wanted him to shoot the ball more so the defense could respect it and open up the lane. Not for him to become an elite three-point shooter. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think Randall is – I don't know if he's your second option, honestly. I think a third and a fourth is where that's, I think we he's start a good second out. option. Look at him in New Orleans behind Anthony Davis. Yeah. But they also had Drew Holiday too. What's like Drew Holiday's a really good player. As but well. remember, Anthony Davis pretty much sat out every other game for most of the season after he demanded a trade. And it was really just him and Drew. It was him and Drew. I mean, my then my, my response would be that how far did that actually take you? You know what I mean? <laughs> that as my response to say like how far did that team actually take you. But Yo, for- let me let me let me let me really quick, Alex, before you get into it, I want, let me ask uh, Larry because he might be a little unbiased and might see my side on this uh, because we all uh, do love Mello uh, maybe too much sometimes. But Larry, Larry, let me let me ask you a question. When um when when Randall gets the ball, and as you said, he's that stopper. Does he like remind you of Melo a little bit? Like he just he like he when, when when Randall's in that zone, he does he has all the bad qualities of Melo. He just the, he reflects all of them. But I, I was saying that to them. Yeah, go ahead. I totally agree with you, but Melo's tier of talent and skill level especially on the offensive end is so much higher it's like come on kobe did the same thing like, yeah it makes it okay the, yeah kobe's field goal percentage it, it doesn't yeah, matter I mean, because he's a beast i, mean, I agree but, but see kobe kobe is also with mellow same thing with mellow and randall so it's like mellow i'm not justifying it but at the same time you weren't as upset as when you see randall do it Especially when Melo's giving you 30 points. He won a scoring title being a ball stopper. Yeah, that's a fact. That's fair. That's fair. Actually, hold on one second. I would. He did not win as a. He won that scoring champ on the best Knicks team possible. He was not actually a ball stopper. Whoa, then. whoa. He was a ball. He was always a ball stopper. He's always going to be a ball stopper. He's a ball stopper. He's he actually did really well passing that year. I'll have to I'll give I'll give Melo no, that time. No, he did no, but see that look, Melo's a ball stopper, but during his next tenure, I always said he didn't get enough credit for actually passing the ball. Yes, he likes to ISO, but if you go back, I, I guarantee you, if you go back and you look at his potential assist when he was a Nick, the numbers oh, are through 100%. the percent The numbers are through the roof. They just weren't scoring. No, one hundred percent. No, one hundred percent. I agree with you one hundred percent. If they're not scoring, why pass the ball? I get that, but Randall doesn't even give him a chance to not score. He's just like I'm. And not that's passing. a fact. That's a fact because he's not even giving J- uh, he's not even giving RJ uh, a chance to shoot or anyone else, even Knox or whoever he's on the court with. He's not giving anyone that shot. He's trying to go. He, this is where he's doing too much. I, I agree. Ooh, shout out your boy Kevin Knox for, me, for lighting it up the other day too. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm never ever gonna be a believer in Knox. I laughed when the Knicks drafted him, 
But shout out to him for showing some type of improvement. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, oh, my goodness gracious. Where, where are we going with this, Randall? Where are we trying to get? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give, give us, a, give me, yeah. Give us, give us a, your, give us your take on Randall uh, fitting in um, with the team, um, okay. and, and and like sitting in there before we jump into how good Kevin Knox was. Because I'm hyped okay. about Kevin okay. Knox. <laughs> okay. So here's my thing with Julius Randall. John, you said it. You said it perfectly. He needs a point guard. He needs to be put into the role. He's really good in the paint, doing some simple moves off a of pick and roll being the roller, going to the lane, getting in position. As a ball handler, I'm actually really impressed how fast he's getting up the court because he actually is in great shape by the way he's moving in preseason. I was shocked because he was just – I just remember that like that jolly step just like coming up, just like the side step all the way up to half court, and it's like, okay, here we go. Gonna pass it to Elf, get it back, and do whatever you're trying to do in the paint. Um, you need someone to help him get – set up he's not a guy like Melo who can set himself up offensively and do what he needs to do it's a lot of work for him because he has a limited amount of moves there's he's not he's not that versatile offensively where you don't know what he's going to do he can't shoot from three that well mid-range is okay uh he's really good around the rim if he's there around the rim so he can make his move but if he has to set himself up to make the move I don't think he understands where to put himself backing down and like doing all that type of stuff to really get himself in position to do so because everyone knows it's like okay so you're relying on yourself and you're not going to trust your teammates to get yourself in position but he was actually passing as like we all know he's a good passer this past week and that's what was really helping open the floor is that he was passing getting other guys involved but i think quickly also helped directing traffic and not just leaving it to randall which peyton likes to do so if he can do that on this team I'm happy with Randall. I can actually tolerate Randall on this team if he's doing that type of game night in and night out. But if he's going to go back to ball hogging, looking off people, and trying to be a point forward like for a quarter of the game, which we don't even need a quarter of the game, here and there is fine. I, I, I can I, I can move on from being seeing that. But I, if he can play the way he did for the last game against the Cavs, I'll be more than happy with it. But, John, let's talk about Kevin Knox. Let's talk about the flamethrower from three. Man, wait, whoa, <laughs> Jesus. I, Larry's laughing because he's like, come on, man. We saw what he did against yeah, the Cavs. Dude was – he, he was he was heating it up, man. Heating it up. Where'd he go? He was like six for seven between both nights from, from three. I think that was the stat. That was – an- another guy, another guy that just need, he just needs a point guard. Here's where again I'm gonna get a little, uh, I'm gonna you know hold the brakes a little bit on uh, Knox because you know remember last year he was he was popping threes in early last year, Alex. Like he was yep. he was hitting shots last year, and I was hyped. I was like, yo, Kevin Knox, he. He, he he's, he's stroking it. Nobody saw it because nobody cared about the Knicks last year. You know what I mean? Um, but. Uh, I, I just I just hope he st- stays with it. I'm sure that him having quickly there and Kenny Payne there just like changes everything for him. You know what I mean? He's just super confident. And instead of it being like, oh, I'm probably gonna get traded off this team next year like everybody else. Now he's like, yo, I'm here to stay. Like I'm here to stay. My boys are here. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 and and he's like, Tibbs respects me. He's giving me time. Like 
it's just like it's you know he's walking into work with some confidence like and and he's showing it so i'm a little weary but i, I don't know can he play defense <laughs> like it, that, that's what, like it, that's the that's the problem he's in, he he plays a premier position like he's going to have to guard the wing yep can he do that you know what i mean uh, and, and we we're, we're so we're now vulnerable at power forward definitely on the defense and we're going to be vulnerable at small forward, you know what I mean? If Kevin Knox is there, like that's tough. Like that's a that's a big gap. It is, and I think for Kevin Knox, uh, I think he, it's best for him to come off the bench and be playing the four. In all honesty, than playing the three because his agility, his speed is not there for the three. But I think he he's another one that's a tweener because I think they have him like six, seven, six, eight somewhere around there, and. He needs more weight to be at the four. He did put on weight. Um, I don't know if it's enough to be pounding with guys at the four, but he's a little too a smidget, like a smidge too slow to be keeping up with threes, guys who, who can attack off the wing. But I like what I saw from Kevin Knox. And I think and, and Thibodeau mentioned it. He sees the confidence. Everyone's recognizing that this is the year that Kevin is coming into his own putting on the big boy pants saying, seeing that this is his time to like shine. And, you know, when you have Kenny Payne there who was working with him at Kentucky, you have Mike Woodson who's shooting it straight with him. I think these are the guys that he needed in order to unlock him. And Thibodeau is being, you know, is working with him too, giving him that confidence to go out there and play his game. But definitely Emmanuel quickly opened him up. It was, you know, once again, we had quickly attacking the lane, doing all the things a point guard's supposed to do. And he was just, what? Just quickly was just doing everything that got Knox open. Like where defenders had to collapse in on quickly. So that way Knox would be open. We saw that against the Cavs the second time. Knox was just hitting wide open shots. Even if the guy, you saw the defender running out there trying to catch up with him. And as you said, we saw this last season. We saw Summer League Knox. The question is, can he do it for the long haul? And even when he started last season, he could still do it. I think it's really going to come to come down to him being confident night in and night out and trying to be aggressive, which that's the one thing I saw see every night. Even when he was missing, he didn't get into a funk. He was aggressive. He tried yeah, to do something. He didn't have his head and down. I, yeah, I will take that. If you're not, as long as you don't have your head down and you're trying to do something, I'll take it. Uh, I don't need to see. I don't need to see like oh, crap. I know like, he does. He did. He did. He did, he did have that vibe last year for sure. Like oh, I missed that three. So so Larry, Larry, what do you think of this? What do you think of this new fire Knicks lineup that we had with Mitch, Obi, Knox, RJ, and IQ? The the All Star yeah. Five. What what do we got? What do we got with that, Larry? Let us know from this. What do we got from a, from an outside perspective on that? Uh, yeah, put some water on our fire, dude. Put some, put some, put some water on our fire. No, nah, there's a lot of potential there. All of those guys have the the tools to put it together and make something special happen for New York. It's all about making it happen. Knox, this is what year three, right? This is to time yep. to show some market improvement, especially like the the staff that you guys mentioned that New York put together. This is the year that you don't you don't expect playoffs, but you expect crazy improvements across the board. Across the board, every single player should be making a lot of improvements, especially 
with Kenny Payne there. There's a few Kentucky guys there, so he knows them. The familiarity with a lot of these players and the staff should only help speed up the process. I'm not sold on Knox. I'm hoping he can prove me wrong because he represents my state, my city. I want him to prove me wrong. I want the Knicks to do good. If they can win 30 games this year, I'll I'll feel happy about the direction of the team. 30 Knicks, games. Uh-oh, Larry's got the over. Woo. I said if they can win 30 games. Yeah, I think the Vegas, the Vegas over is uh, 22 and a half this year. I don't see them going over, but I'm hoping for it. Thank you. Because you got to take into consideration that it's 72 games. So it's like over 82 game season, 22 games, 25 games is a realistic expectation with the team that they have. But you never know. Maybe the Knicks make a play for a, a semi-star or star player. And that changes everything. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, I don't know if you're I have my eye on one. Buddy, buddy Healed. Is that the is that the oh, one? Oh no, no, he belongs to Larry's <laughs> team, man. I got my eye out. I would oh. I would give everybody in my whole life for Ben Simmons. Everybody. Ben, everybody except for RJ and Obi. Buddy Heald's best chance at success is going to the Sixers. Wow. But okay. Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald on the Knicks would, would be a good look. But what are you willing to really give up for Buddy Heald and his contract? So for Buddy Hield, he actually he his contract is actually not that bad. It's a decreasing no, it's contract. No, not. But but with the, I always look at the timeline of the team as a whole when taking on long term contracts. Yeah. So, where do you see the Knicks in two years? Okay, so here's my thing. You got but if you get traded for Buddy Hield right now, you got that's a four that's four years. His four year extension starts this season. He'll be 30 when uh, when this is all said and done, 32, somewhere around there, right? I forget how old he is right now. Uh, somewhere between that time frame. I'm fine with it. Shooters last a long time in the league. Like, we, a lot of these guys go into mid to late 30s, and I think Buddy Heald, the way he can shoot that thing, by all means, he will be, he'll be in the league for a long time because he... Teams need shooting. He won't be able to get a, another large contract unless he's playing at some crazy elite level past 31, 32, which I don't see happening. Uh, usually guys start to get out of their prime at that point and start to go on the decline. But even still, he will be needed in the league if he can keep up his shooting percentage. Um, and for the Knicks, I think it's fine. Like, I think it's fine. I'm not even looking – Like, even it, it doesn't matter to me if we're championship contending. As long as we're making the playoffs with him – then he serves a purpose because he gives a dimension that the team needs with his shooting. He can be a leader on the team, regardless of all the stuff that he has going on in Sacramento. I do not care about what's going on in Sacramento. Luke Walton did him dirty, benched him, put Bogey out there. He was in contract negotiations with Sacramento after they traded with him and they didn't want to pay him. That's it. And we're talking about the Kings, all right? People knock on the Knicks for being a terrible organization. The Kings are one of the worst organizations, okay? So if he's being if he's upset with the Kings and has a, a, a gripe with them, I get that. So it, there's actually no – I have no qualms with Buddy Heal, and I think even for his age, it would still be a good time for him because we need shooting on this team. You need that one person to come here. You can't just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. You just need one person to say, I want to go there. Let's make it – let's try to make a difference. 
And then that starts weeding everyone else to say, okay, the Knicks aren't that bad. The Knicks, let's go to the Knicks. So I, mean, I would be fine if he got traded to the team. It, it, that's an ideal situation that you described, though, with, yeah, yeah, people are going to want to come over. That's if it works out ideally. And if that's how it sure. works out, then that's great. But only if those players that have come in because of that are better players. For sure. Like, I don't really feel like he moves the needle enough for you to trade for him now. Like, if you can acquire someone better and then trade for him, I that would, do, would make uh, sense to me. I get that. and But the thing is, so the trade rumor that was out there, re- reported by uh, our guy CP from Knicks Fan TV, the trade is supposed to be Frank Nilakina, Julius Randle uh, for Buddy Heald, but it seemed like the Kings also wanted a pick. We said no on that because the pick is not worth tr- moving for that. Um, the thing for the Kings, their new management wants to get money off the books. Buddy Hield has a contract on the books. They just paid De'Aaron Fox. The new management wants to start something new. Um, so if they can move Buddy Hield's contract and open up space to get, take anyone else on, and Julius Randle is only one year for them, they have the option to extend him because that's how his contract is set up. And Frank, this is Frank's last year. It works out for them. They get their books cleaned. They get someone off the team, and they get to start anew. Uh, that's what was reported. If that's a trade, I'm down to do that trade. If it's just Frank and Julius Randle, honestly, if that gets if that gets him on the team, does he move the needle that much? Absolutely not. But when, he you, helps. when you describe that trade, sorry, when you describe that trade, I, I'd do it. I'd even give a second round pick with that too. Absolutely, I'd give a sel- second round. I'd pick I'd with give that. a second round pick with that too. I think that makes the team better. That mm-hmm. makes the team better, and it, it helps free up the logjam at point guard. Yeah. No, it does. It does. Um, so I'd be I'd be down for that. I think the Kings are waiting for something for us to give us something more. But I think that's I think we're, if that trade does happen, I think that's around the te- uh, deadline. But let's move on. Let's move on to one more subject. Uh, then we'll get into the 76ers talk. R.J. Barrett. Guys, is this R.J.'s coming out season or is this R.J.'s just like just most improved taking another step forward? Because what we saw from him right now. Is that he put? He's averaging over fifty percent, uh, a fifty percent field goal percentage, averaging seventeen point eight points. He was getting two assists and averaging five boards a game. We all know he's a good rebounder. Um, within thirty minutes, and that's off of thirteen attempts per game. Are we happy what we're seeing from RJ? I like what I'm seeing from RJ right now. Obviously, the three point shot it, it needs to drop because it's at. Starking twelve point five percent. I think I like what I've seen from RJ so far. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, it's just like we know that these guys can play basketball, and I'm gonna keep saying the same thing. But if we have a point guard that can facilitate, if you have a defense that could play in a, a, a system, you know what I mean? Like. W- w- we haven't really mentioned it, but that one play where everybody's so happy and joyful and having such a great time and they didn't play defense and Tibbs calls a timeout was my favorite play of the entire preseason. Like, watching Tibbs, I get absolutely furious when we're up. I think we're up, like, 20 or something. or I think it was, like, 30. We're up by we're up 30. 30. We're up by 30 at the time, and all of a sudden, Tibbs was like, yo... You guys didn't play defense on this one play, and he, like, absolutely embarrassed them. Like, he called a timeout and just, like, like, flipped out on the court. That was my favorite play. And, like, so that's what makes RJ better, I think, where he's going to, like, 
kind of have to be a man and not have to and not you can't just play like the okay like I'm a rookie I'll just sit down and shut up you know what I mean like he he because he's gonna get benched if he does that so I think he's stepping up to the plate and to be honest with you somebody like RJ where where there was no offseason like he benefited the most and he showed it so early he he's just like yo I have nothing to do I, I, and I have such an opportunity on the Knicks to just be the superstar. He's pissed off about the all-rookie team, which is so funny because me and Al- Alex, remember when me and you went back and forth about that snub? We are just like, oh, he probably doesn't care, whatever. And we're like, no, like this is ridiculous. And turns out he, he actually does care, and he had the best, albeit versus the Pistons and Cavs, the best four games he's had in his life. So I'm really hoping that he <laughs> does build on it. Yeah, Larry. What do you th- what do you think about RJ so far? Um, I've been on the RJ bandwagon since Duke. I'm not gonna just abandon him because of a underwhelming rookie season. He was. I agree. He was snubbed. As long as he can improve his three point shooting and his free throw percentage, he's gonna at least be in consideration for most improved player award. The kid has all the tools and he has the work ethic. Most importantly, he has the work ethic and the mental toughness to get better and play under Thibs. He has a thick enough skin where he can he can deal with the whole getting ripped on TV for not playing defense on one play despite blowing the other team out. Like he can take that. He's built for the New York media and the New York expectations. It's just a matter of giving him time to put it all together. And then they have to figure out if he's going to be their number one guy for the future or not. But so far, I love his improvement, and I think it's only going to get better as the season goes on. I, I think so, too. I, I have high hopes for RJ. I know some people are, have been out there thinking that RJ, you know, the shot didn't show, the advanced numbers didn't show. And honestly... I like I like advanced analytics to a certain degree because I think in isolation in isolated moments they're really good to show like where they need to improve in certain game plans or in certain uh schemes right offensively and and so forth. I don't go by that to sh- to see is this kid good, all right? This kid was on a terrible crap team last year. And he still put up 14 points per game, all right? He still grabbed five boards, and I think it was two to two and a half assists. That's impressive for being on a terrible team that was bottom, like absolute bottom. Preach, and bro. He, was, he played – we played well last year. I don't – I really – I know he I know he had days where he just, like, could not hit – like, he could not hit, like, even the backboard. Like, it was insane. But honestly, like, he was just pissed off, and he had no coach. I'm sorry, Fitzdale. You're cool and everything, but – you know, like we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about how you know Mitch had his best game of his career, and the first thing he did, we all make fun of him that he goes to Twitter, or whatever. But the first thing he did was he went to Twitter and he said, "Take that for data." You know what I mean? He took a shot at Fitzdale. So I don't know. That that has to be something to that. Absolutely, I think there was another thing too that got posted. I forget where I saw it. I just saw a clip of it. I need to go find it. So don't quote me exactly. But some people thought RJ would be too Hollywood, by the way, because he wore a pink suit. But yet it was cool that Kevin Knox wore a Fortnite jacket the year before. Come on, guys! Like I like the pink suit. Let the let the players show some swag. Whatever. Alex is in fact wearing pink right now. 
I am wearing a pink shirt right now, okay? And fun fact, <laughs> to my uh, cousin's wedding, I wore a white suit with a pink shirt and a white tie. So <laughs> the pink is in. That sounds fly. Pink. That sounds fly. You know what? I went to Mount Vernon to go get that suit, all right? It was a nice white suit with a pink shirt. I was I was hyped. I was hyped. There's pictures that out there flo- floating around somewhere. Um <laughs> But yeah, I like RJ. I'm I'm excited for RJ. I think he's gonna have a good season. And just to top it off, he shot eighty-six point seven percent from the free throw line this preseason between four games. It's gonna work. Kid's gonna work. We gotta see he's that translate to three though. He's a hard worker, man. I got faith in RJ. Is he the number one option? That's yet to, to be determined, but he will definitely be a foundation for this goddamn team. Because he's got yeah. that he's got that grind. Um but now let's move in. To the main event of this conversation, because we have a 76ers beat writer with us today. So, Larry, let's start off by asking you this question. How do you feel about the 76ers this season? I'm excited for the 76ers. I hope they don't do the um I hope they don't trade Ben Simmons for this guy in Houston. I really hope they don't do that. That would be a bad decision. But I'm excited with Doc Rivers, and they added some shooters again. Things are looking real good. The The biggest problem with them last year was they didn't ha- really have any knockdown three-point shooters. And they still tried to play like they did. They didn't adjust their game to suit the roster. Now they have shooters again, and it doesn't look like they're trying to adjust the game either. They're just going to play more defense and shoot a lot more. And with Seth Curry, how could you not be excited about the shooting? Yeah, definitely Seth Curry. Seth Curry is a great add. Also, Danny Green. I know last season Danny Green had um he had like a rough outing uh with the Lakers, but I think this team adds shooting because what's the what's the lineup? You have Ben Simmons, you have Tobias Harris, you have Seth Curry, you have Danny Green, and you also have uh Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid, yeah. Joel Embiid. So Belly, he, burying the lead there. I know. Well, and, I know, and, right? And the beautiful thing about it is that with the exception of Ben Simmons, all everybody in the lineup is capable of knocking down 35% of their threes at least. Two of them are 40% shooters. Yeah. You got two 40% shooters in Seth Curry. Actually, didn't Seth Curry hit like 46% last season? Yeah. That's No Seth, one talks Seth about that Curry a lot. Is, <laughs> Seth Curry... I couldn't understand how for so long he kept getting waived. I thought he was going to stick when he got picked up by New Orleans a few years ago and they let him go for some reason. Then I think it was Portland picked him up and yep. they didn't bring him back. Then Dallas picked him up and he left and then they brought him back. And I thought he was there to stay. I thought they finally learned their lesson. But then they were like, ah, we need some defense. Bring on Josh Richardson. It was a good trade for both parties. But Seth Curry... With Ben Simmons, like, you know, um, there's a, it's pretty viral now, the meme of, not really a meme, but a picture of Ben Simmons' shot chart, and it Mm -hmm. shows, like, him not shooting any threes at all, really, and then right next to it is another picture of how many threes he's assisted on since he's come into the NBA. A guy like Seth Curry is only going to amplify that. Oh, for sure. Oh, and then sure. you add Danny Green, who I'm not a fan of, but because he's from New York, I support him. <laughs> Long well, Island native Danny Green. 
Yeah, the Sixers now have two New Yorkers in and two Long Island. Islanders to be exact. You know, so him and Tobias. Let's get it. It's going to oh, be man. a fun season. I think they have a. I think this is the best chess chance they've had since the the quote unquote process started to take the East, and that's okay. with the and that's even with KD coming back. The Bucks tried to get better. Obviously, everyone has to take the Heat seriously now. I still feel like this is the best chance they've ever had to take the East with all really? that shooting. And and have you seen him be? He's in prime shape. And I have not. He is looking like all he was doing in these off season, even though it was short. It looked like he was in the gym every day. Okay, I I, I you th- even better than when they had Jimmy Butler and um what what and um oh my God what was that? they had Jimmy Butler Ben Simmons Joel Embiid uh, JJ Redick there we go and Tobias Harris you think it's better than that yes. team? Yes, and this is why Jimmy Butler horrible three point shooter and he takes away now that team will be better than this team as far as closing games out because Jimmy is a really good closer. But Seth Curry is by far a way better defender than J.J. Redick and a very underrated um, defender. And not only that, he's a good passer. He can attack off the dribble. He's really good at faking that jump shot, attacking the basket, and he can hit you with the floater or dish it off to the cutting big man. Seth Curry is a really underrated player. He, He gets acknowledged for his shooting like the rest of his family does. But obviously he's not his brother, but he's a really underrated player. And everyone is going to see this year with him playing alongside Embiid and Ben Simmons, how valuable he is and how underpaid he is for what he does. It's like what you said about Buddy Hill, except he does a lot more. The shooting isn't going to fade. The shooting isn't going to fade. He's been healthy, so it, it seems like he's over those stress reactions he had in his leg. And he can pass an attack. Okay. Yeah, I like Buddy Heald. I think Buddy Heald, if we're going to isolate it just offensively, like who could put it in the hoop, I got to go with Buddy Heald. But if we're going to talk about who has got a better complete game, I'll go with you for some. No, no, I, no, yeah. No, I would say that overall scorer, Buddy Heald's a better scorer. I meant like as far as overall offense, passing. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. No, attacking I, I agree. it off the. 100%. Steph Curry, yeah, Steph Curry's really, really good. And. He does more than what J.J. Redick brings to the table. Is he J.J. Redick? No. No one's J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is is tremendous. But, and that's another thing. Seth Curry and the way he comes off of screens and shoots off the screens is going to open up the game for Joel Embiid so much more, similar to when J.J. Redick was there. And he was doing a lot of those dribble handoffs. And then he can attack the post or just slide to the basket. It's going to be – the Sixers are going to be a fun team to watch again this year. Okay. Get your okay. popcorn yeah. ready. Get your yeah. popcorn ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I mean, I, I feel your hype. Um, personally, Ben Simmons is my pipe dream trade. Like, I want Ben Simmons on the Knicks, like, so bad for anybody. Like, anytime someone says, who are we going to get, who, how, what are we going to trade, Ben Simmons. That's my answer. Like, give me him. I think he would be perfect for the Knicks. Um, but we don't have to get into that. Just speaking on the 76ers because 
The Knicks are going to be playing the Pacers. And then we're going to be 1-0. And then we're going to be staring <laughs> at the 76ers on Saturday. Right? And if we beat the 76ers, the whole world's going to light on fire. So I don't see it coming. I don't see that coming. That's obviously a second pipe dream to getting Ben Simmons. But my... I'll start you off with the positive. My positive is I agree with you. I think that Tobias Harris is going to be better this year. I think that Embiid's going to be in shape, but I don't really trust him. I think Simmons is going to be great. And I think Seth Curry is super underrated. And if Ben Simmons is dribbling the ball, he's going to be wide open. And he's going to be nailing shots. So I I agree with all that. My bring it back moment is going to be, I think, a hot take. is I don't really think Doc Rivers is that great of a head coach. Like, I don't really think he did that great on the Magic. I think that he had his glory years with the Celtics because he had an unbelievable squad for a couple of years, but he, he kind of fell off with that after. He, he he couldn't do anything with the Clippers, who and he had a coach, you know, he had a, a coach on the floor with CP3, and he had a bunch of guys, a number one pick, and he kind of, like, had the keys to an organization. Of course, he had some turmoil, you know, with the, with the ownership, but... That's my hot take on that. I know he has a good name. I know he's been around for a while. I know he played in the league. He has the ring. He knows basketball. But I, I'm just like, I, I just like the whole like Doc Rivers is this NBA coach. Like, like NBA, of course, like NBA championship head coach. And like once you get him, you're good to go. I just like, I, I, would, I would just pull back on that and kind of, and this is going to be a good test for him, right? Because we've seen the 76ers team. We know that they're talented, and we know what they look like when they're not being coached well. So, all right, Doc Rivers, like, here you go. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's going to be a nice test for him. So that's what I'm excited about. I, 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 got, I, I got the – to be honest with you, I got the heat. I got the heat being the team to beat in the East, to, to be quite honest with you. By the Especially way, hold on. Hold on. Before, I let, before I let Larry go off, let's remember who helped Doc Rivers win that championship in Boston. Tom Thibodeau. Or Thibodeau, however you pronounce it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Larry, now, 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 now you can go on. What do you, what do you think about Doc? So, what's so your, what's that your you thought? Bring that up, now that you bring that up, that's actually a good point. That's one, of, that's one of the things I wanted to mention. First off, I'd like to say, John, you're right. Pretty much everything you said is true. But you can say that about almost every head coach that's ever been an NBA head coach. With the exception of Eric Spolstra. You can say that about Phil Jackson. You can say that about Thibodeau. You can say that about Greg Popovich. Look at what the, the Spurs did. It, look at them last year. Like You can literally say that about almost every head coach to ever be a head coach. But at the same time, look at, the, um, look at Doc when he had that. It wasn't just the superstar cast. It was the superstar bench he had. He had a great coaching staff a great defensive-minded coach in Thibodeau, and he also has that now in Dave Yorger. I think that's – I don't know how to pronounce his name. He used to be the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings. Every team he's ever coached has been a top-10 defense, even with him as an assistant. This that's that's, that's good. Yeah, the, the Sixers could play defense too. And, and, but look, as good as the Sixers were last year, they weren't even a top-five defense. I think they were seventh last year. They can, they should have, they have the tools to be a number, a top three at worst. 
on defense. With Doc there, I think it's going to work, especially with his coaching staff. But I have to admit, I wouldn't say he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. I wouldn't say he's a top five coach in the NBA. My number one coach in the entire NBA is Eric Spoelstra. He is the greatest coach I've ever seen. Wow. And then I'd say, then I got to give it to Brad Stevens. So wait, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. If you were going to say Eric Spoelstra is the best coach in the league, okay? Now we got to now good. we got to have this conversation. How is how is the Miami Heat a flash in the pan? How is this a flash in the pan if he's the best coach in the league? Because they don't have the talent to keep up with the Brooklyn Nets and a better Sixers team and a and the Bucks. But we didn't we just see the Miami Heat take off the Bucks? That was that was last year. Yeah. Now they have Drew Holiday. Don't sleep on the impact Drew's going to make. All I'm right. not sleeping on the impact. Drew, Drew Holiday? Goran Dragic's not doing what he did against the Bucks with Drew Holiday there. Yeah, I mean... Look at Drew Holiday in the playoffs when he was in the West. I get that. And my thing is not more so on Drew Holiday. It's Mike Budenholzer who doesn't like to... Uh, who, who doesn't like to... Uh, What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <laughs> adjust. Adjust. Thank you. Yeah, he, he doesn't he, adjust. He's not the best. He's not. He's not a great in-game adjustment. I give you that. He's not. Well, actually, I'd say he's more. He's not really good at adjusting from game to game either. No, nope. I give you that. But it you is so formulaic. You gotta give. Look, you wrote an article on how much Thibodeau has improved as a coach. And how he's going to be good for New York. And you shouldn't expect everything. Like, he's not perfect, but you shouldn't expect things to be exactly the way they were in the past. You have to give these guys a chance to change and to prove you wrong. God damn, I hate when this man just throws something right in my face. Holy shit. <laughs> this, this man might be an attorney. I don't know what this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I think this guy just worried the shit out of me. God damn. <laughs> it's kind of right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a point. You got a point. I'm not saying he's going to do it. I'm not saying he's going to do it. But you got to give him a chance. Look, Eric Spolster was the. I say he's the best coach in the NBA. And he started out as a video editor in the film room. Look, nah, these guys, you got to give guys a chance. You just got to give them a chance. Look, Brett Brown was given a chance. He was given multiple chances. And I, I feel like he took too much blame. Elton Brand didn't get enough blame, but I will never call for a black man's job. Sorry, it won't happen. But Brett Brown was given a chance, and he proved time and time again. And then when you speak to the players, even when the players say they love them, they take a little subliminal shot at him. For sure, for sure. No. But, I, I, but I, everyone that's played for Bud loves him. No, no, I hear you. Like, I get, I get, I get the bullet holzer effect, and we're going way off tangent with with how the Bucks are going to yeah, perform. Perform? No, it's all good. It's all good. I, I gave Larry the soapbox for a second. We all had to. We all had to get that out. Okay, it's all good. Um, but yeah, six. It's kind of on point. It's kind of on point because we're going to be playing the Bucks. We're playing the Bucks this week. Our, our 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 the Knicks slate this week is the Pacers and then the Seventy Sixers and the Bucks. So what what what's that record for me? That that that's one and that's one and two. Um, well, what do you guys got on that? Okay, hold on. 
You're saying one and two, so I'm hoping because you just said we're going O against the Pacers. So are you saying we're beating the 76ers or the Bucks? No, no, we're gonna beat the Pacers. Okay, okay, that sounds nice. I do uh, think that it is possible we beat the 76ers because it is early and they're gonna be learning and figuring it out and new coach and blah blah blah. Um, so it is possible that we we could steal. But I'm not gonna say that. I'll say if the Knicks win one out of those three games, I will be ecstatic. So give me one and three. I will. I will. You mean one and two? One yeah. and two. One and two. Yeah, I'll go with. I will go. Yeah, I can go one and two. I can go one. I can see us being the Pacers. I can see us taking the Pacers because I think we got the better centers between Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. I think. I I don't. I think our front court is better than the Pacers at this point, especially if they played like the the way they did uh, against the Cavs. I think we'll make it a close game, and we played the Pacers close last season too, even with. Probably like uh, I would say with whatever, whatever, whatever it is we did, whatever it is, whatever, what whatever, whatever we had, and we won a game last year. So I could see us being the Pacers. I do. Not, I can't see us being the 76ers just because it's Joel Embiid, and I can't see Mitch or Nerlens being able to keep up with Embiid just because of how he is in the post. And it's Ben Simmons, so whoever has to guard Ben Simmons, that's just a task for him. And I don't think our three point shooting is necessarily there yet. Uh, a defensive three point defense. Defense against three-point shooting is there yet. So I could see Sixers doing it, and then it's just the Bucks that we got to go up against, and that's just a wall. So I got, I, I agree, one and three. Larry, what do you, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to say 0-3. Oh okay. Your best chance to, to pull a victory, like you said, is the Pacers. But I think you lose a close game. Okay. Okay, coming out I the think game. It's gonna be, I, I think oh, I don't think either I don't think any of the games will be a blowout except maybe the Sixers game. And the only way that happens is if Joel Embiid wreaks havoc on Noel and Robinson. That's gonna be that's the game I'm most looking forward to of the week out of any of the NBA teams. Just as like a fan of the game and watching the game grow, is I wanna see how Mitch like you said, I low key root for the I I I I low key root for the Knicks' success. I'm never gonna call myself a fan, but I want them to do good. And it's gonna be interesting to see Mitch and Joel Embiid is the best big man at drawing fouls. So can Mitch stay on the court? Yeah, I agree. And then Noel Noel is good, but Joel Embiid is practically impossible to stop in a one-on-one situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks play that game. That's the only game I see as a chance of being a blowout. With Thibodeau, even, look, he was in Minnesota, even after Jimmy left, like, they lose, the the teams can lose a lot when he has bad teams, but they keep the games close. It's the fourth quarter that everything goes to hell. So I think that the Knicks have a chance to come out of this three-game series, one and two, but I see more of Losing the game down the stretch and walking out zero and three. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you're wrong, Larry. I hope you're wrong, man. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I want them to do good. I just, I'm just not a hundred percent sold yet. I, I hear you. I hear you. So we all got. Well, John and I got uh, one and two. Larry's got zero and three. I think we're right on the mark. It's going to be somewhere in between there. Um. Yeah, I, I like this. All right, I don't, I don't. I think that covers it for the next segment of this uh, of this podcast. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back for our et cetera portion of this podcast. All right, everyone, and we're back from the break, and now we got the et cetera portion. 
So, John, what do we got for Etcetera today? What's up, man? I mean, basketball's back, and there's just so much going on in this league, as usual, right? We got James Harden turmoil in Houston, and that's going to cause ripple effects throughout the league if anything moves there. Um, I know that Larry was talking. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want him anywhere near his team. Um, Nets fans seem to not want Harden on his team, on their team. Um, neither do the Nets organization, kind of. Um, do you, do you guys see Harden moving um, before the deadline this year? Uh, I think he does get moved this season. I can't. Larry, was it you that said he's going to be on the? On the Rocks at the end of the season? Yeah. I, yeah. I actually just put an article out a few days yeah. ago and made that. That was your that article. Doesn't get traded. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. That's why I, I knew Alex, I knew Alex was going to – does think Harden uh, is going to get traded. So that's why I want – Alex, look, 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 like, what, what do you think is going to happen to Harden? I know, I know Larry has a way different position. He has a, kind of a hot take. I, see, because this, this is where Larry got me because he wrote about the Rockets. I was like, whoa, what? What's going on over here? Um, so for me, I think he has to move because you can't let an unhappy star just ruin the culture, whatever whatever is left of that culture in Houston and just pull this organization down where it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. You can't have someone who's just a malcontent on a team who doesn't want to be there and then expect this team to do well when he's not going to give his full effort in there and the way that the Rockets allowed Harden especially under Daryl Morey to just do whatever he wants whether it was like okay if he doesn't feel like practicing today he can go t- the, the practice was canceled for today he can go travel wherever he wanted to uh you know when he did want to practice they practiced he they stayed behind they stayed another day later in the city because he wanted to check it out or, or whatever, and you know, this is especially the big conflict that they had between him and Russ. And I think it was uh, Tim McMahon at ESPN who who documented this, who was talking about the conflict that they had, which is Russell Westbrook is such a, <laughs> a nitty gritty type of guy when it comes to his routines. The man weaves his house the same day, parks in the same spot, does the same thing every single day, and is just meticulous with his workout. James Harden obviously is a prolific scorer. He's really good. Not just really good. He's excellent. He, 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 he's one of the top players in the league. Top 10 right now. And it's, it was just too drastic of, 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 I guess, of lifestyles, practice, work ethic, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think the Rockets, they need to clean it. They can't leave it. They can't have a functioning team with someone who's just going to be upset and wants to do everything that he wants to do. You're just going to create a divide. So that's why I think he has to get moved. And I think the team that's going to do it is the 76ers. Sorry, Larry. And I think they're going to do it because one is Daryl Morey. And I think Daryl Morey is willing to trade anything for anybody. And I think Daryl Morey is going to just, you know, he's going to move Ben Simmons. And I don't trust GMs. I, I, and I don't trust Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is, is the number one guy who's like, the next day, traded Chris Paul. Everything was fine with Chris Paul. Nothing's going wrong. No, they're fine. They talked it out. They hashed it out. Da 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 da. Hey, uh, Mike D'Antoni, we just traded Chris Paul to OKC and we brought in Russell Westbrook. And you saw D'Antoni's face. He's just like, what? Why? 
So I think it's going to happen to the 76ers. I think he needs to get moved. But Larry, I want to I want to hear why you think cuz you wrote about it. But I want to hear it now. Why do you think James Harden's going to stay in Houston? And you already said you don't want him on the 76ers. I want to hear why you don't want him on the 76ers and I want to hear what's uh going to go on with if the Nets are going to make this trade too. All right. There's a few things. Now, first off, when I wrote that article, it was before the reports came out that the 76ers made Ben Simmons available in trade talks mm-hmm. with James Harden. Yep. Now, had I known that, I probably wouldn't be sitting there writing James Harden isn't going to get traded. But at the same time, that's why it's a bold prediction because everyone expects him to be traded. Now, my thing is, most teams aren't going to be willing to give up a player like Ben Simmons or, well, I mean, not every team has a player like Ben Simmons, but you understand. They're not going to, a team is not going to, not many teams, especially the teams that he wants to go to, are willing to part ways with the type of talent and the amount of draft picks that the Rockets want when they don't even know if this guy is going to resign with them when the contract is up. Now, for the Sixers in particular, for me, it just doesn't make sense. As great as Ben, um, as James Harden is, Ben Simmons hasn't even scratched the surface yet of how good he can be. And he's almost a decade younger than him. And even when Ben, he's under contract longer, he's way younger. And even when at Ben Simmons' highest pay, that you, the most that you have to pay Ben Simmons over the entirety of his contract is still less than what James Harden be getting throughout the rest of his contract. And once he signs his next contract, it's going to be even more obvious. But he has a play, he has this year and then next year where he has to play for the Rockets if they keep it. And then after that, he can knock out. Now, I can see the Rockets holding out and trying to get the absolute most that they can, as they should. It's James Harden. You can't just give him up for shorts just because he doesn't want to be here and he's ruining the culture. At the end of the day, you still have to get as much as you can. Because with players like him, you can't really say, oh, this is fair value because he's so great. You have yeah, to but get as much you as think- you can. Yeah, but do you think his trade value might go down if he plays poorly with John Wall? He won't play poorly with John Wall. I don't think that he'll play poorly with John Wall. He didn't play poorly with Russell Westbrook, and John Wall's a better shooter than him. That's he's fair. not an elite. That's he's fair. not an elite shooter, but he's a better shooter, right? That's fair. And, That's that, fair. and now they and they have they have like when you look at the Rockets roster around James Harden, with the exception of point guard, let's take John Wall and Russell Westbrook out the equation for a second. When you look at the supporting cast around James Harden right now compared to the end of last year, it's much better. Trading Capella was a big mistake, but they had to because Russ can't shoot. If they had John, a healthy John Wall last year, they keep Capella. Now they have um, Christian Wood, and he can actually shoot too. So he's going to attack the basket and shoot. The Rockets are a good team. Everybody's counting them out, but I think that's mostly because of the dysfunction surrounding James Harden. On paper, the Rockets have a decent team. And then when you add James Harden and a healthy John Wall and possibly a healthy DeMarcus Cousins, come on. What makes his value go down? Well, I wouldn't even really say his value go down. What When Houston loses leverage is if he's on the roster next year. Because now your, own, your only real selling point with the leverage is the fact that the team, even if he doesn't resign an extension, the team has him for a year and a half, two years. Next year, 
That's it. That's why I wrote in the article, the clock is ticking. They have to be methodical about this. You want to get the most you can. And you have to take into consideration that if you hold on too long, you lose your leverage. But at the end of the day, if I'm running a franchise, leverage or not, I'm not trading a player of his caliber unless I'm getting a good haul in return. And I'd say, screw your wish list. I'd, I'd call a team like Atlanta and see what I can get from them. A team like Sacramento, a team like OKC, I w- they have players and assets. Who cares what his wish list is? He didn't treat you with respect. Don't treat him with respect. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, and I, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned, I kind of alluded to it uh, in the early question, but I think the best haul is Brooklyn. You give me Spencer Dinwiddie. Give me Karis LeVert. Give me Jared Allen. You're gonna sign Dinwiddie on a, on a bird right deal. Like you're gonna be good to go um, with those three guys. And as you mentioned, you got Wood. You have Wall there on a big contract. Like that seems to me like the big haul, and it would be great for us, right? As as uh, Knicks fans, uh, because the Nets would be worse. Um, and I think it would be great for uh, the Ro- um, it would be great for the Rockets, man. They would be they would be like in a full actual rebuild. Um, the team so th- that nobody talks about is actually your team, though. You don't think the Knicks could give up a, a good? The Knicks could get him. No, the Harden does absolutely does not fit on this Knicks team. Uh, like to be honest, the only person that really truly fits on this Knicks team that is rumored is Ben Simmons. He plays defense. He's a point guard. He could be big in a small lineup. He can fit with Ob. He can fit with RJ. You know, we we have like. We kind of have some players we can like ex- get rid of. We have some assets like the Dallas picks, our picks. Like you know, we kind of have these things that, if things are going wrong in Philly, and Harden is um, too much for Maury because I'm sure that the Rockets don't want to give Harden to Maury for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like they just like they want to fleece him. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't you know. So if that you know if that deal falls through and Ben Simmons is not working out in the 76ers, I'm hoping that the Knicks can actually scoop up Ben Simmons. Like that'd be my best fit. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned the Hawks. Um, I know that you're writing for the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks are one of those teams that. I don't mean Alex were excited about. We talked about a couple episodes ago um, for league pass purposes because they were always the underdog team, right? Like the team that was like, oh, super underrated, super underdog. And like, you just want to watch Trey Young and like kind of see what he can do with those guys. Like just a bunch of gritty dudes. Um, now they kind of, and they had Vince Carter back in the day, right? Um, and like now, they kind of feel like they're the they're like the hype team, and but even though and now I'm kind of being more bearish on them, where I'm just like ah, oh, I I really like the Hawks and they're aesthetically pleasing. I'm excited, but I feel like they're not going to play any defense. Like what, what what's going on with the Hawks this year? I disagree. I disagree. Um, I'm actually I'm on the hype train. I feel like part of you bearing back is because so much overhype. Now you feel like you're not being realistic anymore because there's so much hype. But I think they will play defense. Have you seen? I don't know if you've watched them in the preseason. They haven't been great. They've been getting off to a lot of slow starts. But those middle quarters and like the beginning of the fourth, before they just throw in a, 
everybody else that's not really going to play during the regular season. They're playing pretty good defense and giving a lot of effort. With Capella there, with uh, Bogdanovich, he's not great, but he's he gives the effort and he has the, the size. And Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is a really good defender. I think they're going to play good defense. They won't be – I don't see them being a top 10. I'm hoping that they can be somewhere in the middle because last year they were ranked, what, I, I believe either 27th or 30th last year in defense. So – if they can be somewhere in the top 15, I think they'll be fine. I'm actually re- working on an article for um, bold predictions for the Hawks. And I think that uh, as part of me being on the hype train, I think they're going to have multiple all-stars this year. They have, the, they have enough talent on the team. When you look at the West, I mean, when you look at the East and who's there, and then when they now there's that whole car, um, front court back court thing is you don't have to worry about positions. When you when you see a guy like Capella who's gonna get you a double double, he has a chance to be named a reserve. Young, I, I'm pretty much locked in as the all star starter at guard. And then you got Collins who would have been a starter if he didn't get suspended last year. He has the numbers and the highlights to be a, a, a an all star. So now with Gallo uh, destroying defenses, the former Knickerbocker, Danilo Gallinari coming off the bench. He's been a starter his whole career, and he's put up great numbers with efficient shooting numbers. Now he's going to be killing defenses all season. He's killing bench players. He's going to be playing against bench players most of the time. He'll probably close out games and end up playing against starters, but this guy's in line to win six man of the year and finally make an all-star appearance because somehow he hasn't made one his entire career. I'm all hyped up for the Hawks. I think that they're going to do, even with all the hype, I still think that in the standings, they're going to do better than a lot of people expect. Cause so, for, no, no, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. We, we want to finish. Uh, most media outlets got them barely making the playoffs. They got them in the play-in games. I think the Hawks are going to be a top six seed and surprise everybody. Okay. My thing is, they hyped him up last season. I heard it all last season. Trey Young's going to do it. We, they, got, they, got, uh, they got Collins. They got uh, Cam Reddish. They got Herter. This is, the, this is the year they're going to do it. Okay. And then they didn't do it. And we saw they were just abysmal on defense. They put up a lot of points. But they were just abysmal. I am. We do this. I feel like we've, we, we've done this a few times with the Hawks where we just hype them up. And it's like, okay, this is the chance. This is the chance. This is the chance. And for me, I just need. They're going to be a better team. Absolutely. The East, I think, has just gotten better. And everyone's hyping them up to make the playoffs. Like, they're going to be this playoff contention team. But I think the East has just gotten better where I just don't see. I don't. I can't buy it yet until I see the the product. So I'm hesitant to be so bullish to be to be on that train where it's like, yeah, the Hawks are going to be really good this year because Trey Young and they got Rondo now, they got Gallo and everybody else, and Quinn Capella is now going to be healthy for the season, and let's see what they can do. I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait and see. I, I'm I'm I, I can't I can't get onto the hype. I, I know you're I know you're ready to see it, Larry. I know you're hyped about them, but. I get it. 
I am too. I am too. I, I am honestly, I am too. I, I, I'm, I am really hyped about the Hawks. I just, I don't believe. But I, I'm hyped. Look, I understand yeah. what you guys are saying. And it's warranted. But at the same time, what you said about last year, right? Trey Young. Trey Young's going to do it this year. Trey Young almost averaged 30 and 10 last year as a sophomore in the NBA. Like, give him his credit. Second, yeah. Collins was suspended for 25 games. He only appeared in 41 games last year. Kevin yes. Herter, Kevin Herter was hurt a lot last year. Kevin Herter played what? 40 something games. He didn't even play 50 something games. He didn't play that much. Cam Reddish, after he got drafted, he got sports hernia surgery. It took him a little while to be fully healthy. And if you, if you, if you go back and look at the numbers, towards the end of the season is where you really started to see that improvement from Cam. The Hawks won 20 games last year, dealing with a bunch of injuries, a bunch of trades, and the only real bright spot was Trey Young. Now you add in Chris Dunn's defense. You add Gallo scoring. You add Bogdanovich's scoring and playmaking. Mm -hmm. You add Clint Capella's defenses and defense and rebound. I understand your caution, but understand the hype <laughs> this is different this is different from when they had paul Millsap and kyle corver this oh is different gracious. from when all you had was trey young last year there's reason for hype uh, okay I, and I'm, I'm i'm actually laughing that we brought up the uh, the san antonio spurs of the east kyle corver oh my god that team with uh paul Millsap. Al Horford. And they had oh three All-Stars. They did have three All-Stars. Not taking that they away. They had three All-Stars. This team has the potential to do the same thing. <laughs> didn't they have five young. All-Stars? Didn't they have didn't five All-Stars? Didn't the entire... Didn't the... The Hawks? Didn't the entire Hawks lineup make it? And it was like a whole big deal? Pretty sure that happened, but we'll 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 fa we'll fact check that. We'll fact I know, check that. I know. It. I know there was a big deal about Kyle Korver being named an All Star. I remember that. Yeah, because with Kyle Korver, you had Paul Millsap, you had uh, Al Horford, Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. There it is. Um, yeah, might be yeah, actually. Was, might be right. I think it might have been all five. That been. Are you fact checking that right now, John? Don't know. Yes? No? Maybe so? Yeah, yeah. Um, Carol, yeah, because uh, Carol's in there too. All five of them made it. It was okay. Teague, Millsap, Horford, Carol, and and, uh, and uh, Corver. They all made the All Star. God. Game. That just if tells you what the e Carol was an All Star before, then this is the year Gallo gets his All Star nod. That hold on. That just tells you how bad the East was. Okay. And on that note, I think we gotta cut this thing because I can't. I can't even deal with that. <laughs> I want to make sure. 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 I want to make sure before I. I'm pretty sure. I'm looking up. Uh, right, we have. We have. To, we have to fact check the Hawks. We have to fact check the Hawks. All right, we'll fact check the Hawks. Um, but I guess my thing, my last, my last standing thing with the Hawks is that I like the team. I like the talent. I, I think they're they're definitely way better than they were last season. There's no doubt about it. I think they're going to be better defensively. Obviously, you were in the basement last year. You can only go up at this point. 
Um, I think the East, like I said, it really just comes down to the East being better. Um, and all right, so we got some. We got four players. We got Horford, Corver, Millsap, and Teague all made the All Star. Demario Carroll did not did not make it. So we had four out of the five. San Antonio Spurs of the East, aka the also known as the Atlanta Hawks of that year, made it. Um, my goodness gracious, I can't. That just tells you how bad the East was once again. But that, those are just my remarks. I like him. I'm excited to watch the Hawks and see what happens. I think if you're going to watch them play, just bet the over. So that's all I got to say about what, the Hawks. What is the over under on it? On them for what? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like points wise, just points wise. Oh just yeah, always, always, always. Yeah, especially with this team now. What? I'm excited, especially Trey Young is one of my keepers in my fantasy league, so I need him to <laughs> I need him to kill. A little selfish reason. I like it. I like it. But on that note, everyone, that concludes it for another Knicks Jets Etc. episode. Another Knicks episode for the Knicks Jets Etc. podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in. Larry, before we let you go out, please tell the listeners where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter. At L A R R Y H seven one eight as Larry H seven one eight. Guys, thanks a lot for having me. Listeners, check my stuff out at Hoops Habit and definitely check out Alex stuff. Appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate the plug, Larry. I appreciate it. You, but no, nah, you're a great you... writer. I enjoy I enjoy reading your Knicks pieces. You you almost turn me into a fan every time, and then I remember <laughs> that, who they are. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when you know I'll get it. When Larry turns into a fan, that's when I've done it, everybody. But <laughs> no, definitely check out Larry's stuff. Larry does a really good job at covering the Sixers, the Hawks, Celtics. He really has a depth of knowledge about the NBA. And I'm so happy to be – I could call this man a colleague over at Hoops Habit. It's really, it's really a lot of fun getting to talk hoops with him in the, in the Slack channel. It's a lot of fun. Throw it in the chat. Um, but once again – once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, Etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please make sure to give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review for what you think about this podcast. Also, make sure to find us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Knicks, Jets, Etc. ETC, not the full Etc. Please don't write it all out. That's way too long for a handle. <laughs> no one can do all that. All right? So please find us on all media platforms. Thank you for tuning in and catch on the next episode the Jets episode later this week where we have to talk about this victory which I know John didn't want to mention today so catch you later everyone let's go next baby let's go next let's go next let's go Jets